Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts. Chris makes his living with speaking, writing, and television. From Fortune 500 companies to senators, TEDx, hosting TED women, and college students, Chris has spoken to most every kind of group. Storytelling is at the heart of everything he does, and his honesty and vulnerability on stage make the presentation impactful for the audience. Chris just did a second run of his Things I Want to Remember, Not Forget book, and in March, he's going to return to NBC's coverage of the Paralympics, handling the opening, closing, and skiing analysis, as well as some of the hosting responsibilities. Chris, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate this. Hey, this is awesome. It's a great opportunity. Man, it's you. a great opportunity for me because here we are. We're, we're sitting here at the GoBundance uh, Winter Adventure. And uh, well, I mean, you, you opened the event last night. You were the keynote speaker. And I sat there in awe because I, I honestly, and, and I mean, no disrespect, I didn't know your story. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm new to the whole GoBundance uh, group for that matter. You know, I'm here as a content creator and a podcaster. I'm not a GoBro, so I'm not really in the click. You know what I mean? But it, even before you took the stage and they were doing the, the exercises of getting to know one another, that was amazing. But then you came on and you spoke for, we'll say, 45 minutes to an hour, somewhere in that, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And it was, it was just amazing. I mean, seriously. And I know you hear that all the time, and I'm not saying it because you're sitting Can't here in front hear it of enough, me. really. Well, no, I love when people tell me I'm amazing, too, but I don't hear it near as often as you, I'm sure. So introduce us more to you, and how was that speech so amazing? And, and what, what's your story? What's my story? Uh, you know, I mean, part of it is telling the story, right? It's, yeah. just, it's just connecting with people. So, like, I had a skiing accident 22, no, when I was 20 years old, so it's 33 years ago. Okay. So it was a long, long time ago. And, and the thing is that part of it was, was trying to tell that story. I mean, so much of it, my life is new, right? Right, right. It, it's totally changed. It's something that I hadn't imagined. And how can I find a way to connect with people and get people to connect with me, to connect with the passion, to connect with what I'm trying to do? and and, and really that storytelling is at the heart of it. How can I put you in that position that you go, all right, okay, I've never skied before in my life, but okay, I'm here. I mean, I don't know if you've skied or not. But. I have not. I, I actually, I, I went tobogganing when, okay. uh, when I was about nine. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's seriously, it's, I told the story just the other day outside because it was a church camp that I went to in California. And they took us up on the mountain. And of course, I had me a Kmart at the time because I'm 49. So it was Kmart. Had me a little Kmart toboggan that I brought with me. And I specifically remember the camp counselor making fun of my toy toboggan and how you'd get hurt in one of these things. Uh-oh. So I end up going down the mountain on a real sled, you know, with the metal frame and the wood slats and all that. Still managed to somehow hit a bump and end up in a frozen creek going through the ice and get cut up through the ice and sitting there in the cold, freezing water. And again, I was nine. So this is extremely traumatic for me. So after that time, I never... Went back to any kind of ski, anything. This is the first time I've been in the mountains since that, that tragic accident. 
Yeah, yeah. Are, are you okay with snow being around? I mean, I, most it, of the... It's a, it's a little traumatizing. I would imagine. But I'm sure it's not nearly as traumatizing as what you've gone through. I so. don't know. I don't know. Cold, <laughs> ice cold water sounds really bad to me. So how did you overcome that? Because you had... A, and listening to you last night, I know, I know skiing was... I mean, it was life to you. It was every it was, aspect yeah. of your life. You were raised in a ski family. You were in the mountains. And it was everything. And... I love the way that even just opening this conversation, you're talking about bringing the audience in and letting the audience be able to relate to your story. And that's something that I personally struggle with as a content creator. And I've got a story. We've all got stories. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, I, and, and people that end up hearing my story go, bro, you got to tell that to people. Because I, I, I still, I fall prey to when I'm podcasting, I like to kind of hide behind the mic. And I don't and just ask questions. Yeah, I just ask questions, yeah, and, yeah. I, and and people don't know me, right? right. They, they do more so over the last year. Do you and want half me to so. ask you some questions? No, I'm not asking you. To, <laughs> you you'd we can turn that you, around. You, no. You'd scare me. <laughs> but you know, I have a hard time telling my story yeah. because I look at it as, and this is a, a term I've coined. I call it pity porn. Yeah. So how do I tell this story without it sounding like, oh, what was me? And oh, I had it so hard. And then I look at somebody like you that had their whole life changed. And it makes me even more go, man, how dare I try to tell this as a story when, you know, I was an alcoholic and I went to rehab and I recovered. So what? People hear that story all the time. They don't hear stories like yours all the time. Well, you know, they hear that story. But, but you know, the thing is, we struggle as human beings, right? Yeah. And, and we're all going to struggle. And I can learn from your struggle. You know, that to me is what's interesting. In a lot of ways, that's what binds us together is that your struggle is a little bit different than mine. I feel like, I feel like in some ways, I mean, going through, going through alcoholic, you know, being an alcoholic, being a recovering alcoholic, you're reminded every day of, I am recovering. And, and in some ways that's what we're all doing. Yeah. You know, we're all recovering and some of us, it's a, the back, backsliding is a little bit easier, right? It's not as critical. It's not like, oh yeah, okay, well I have one little drink or, you know, or I do one little thing that I'm not supposed to do or I don't want to do. And, and it's not that big a deal. But the reminder of like, no, no, this is, this is the standard I want to hold myself to. Yeah. That's a story that people really need to hear and that I have to hold myself to because I'm fighting this demon. Yeah. That to me, that's a, that's a huge story. And, and is it relatable? It's relatable if you make it relatable. I think that's the big thing, right? Is, is that so many people go, well, that's not my deal. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with alcohol. And it's like, well, but do you have a problem with, you know, I mean, we, we all have that sort of problem with, you know, lying to ourselves and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not so, it's not that big a deal. I've got it all under control. And it's like, yeah, do you? Do you not? Is this a great reminder? Is the 12 steps, are those, are those a great reminder? Are just, just connecting with people, you know, going back and saying, hey, hey, you know, I have to, I have to apologize for, you know, make amends for, for the person that I was in order to move forward, right? Yeah, to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these to me, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge part of the connection that I think is so important. Well, and, and I don't want to detract from your story in any way. And I, I'm kind of having this type of conversation because I think other people need to understand that. They need to hear that as well. Yeah. I, I know I'm not the only one with a story that goes, ah, I'm not going to tell that because they've heard it before. Now, it, it, people need to understand that those stories are what shaped us, right? They shape us. And, and it's funny. I, I did at one point, we did a bike ride with my foundation, One Revolution Foundation. We did a bike ride from Seattle down to, down to San Diego. And we call it the Who's Your Hero Tour. And we were asking people as we went along, who's your hero? 
And what I was amazed about is that most people said, can I get back to you later on that? Let me, let me think about that. There's no right answer on this. And I felt greedy in that I gain heroes everywhere I go. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that person, that's a hero. I read a book about somebody. I'm like, whoa, that's a hero. And, and I think that's important. I think what you're talking about is the idea of we need to learn from those people. We need to, we need to look at those heroes and go, what do I love about that person? Yeah. And how can I integrate that into who I am? That's why we need to know these stories. That's why these stories are so important. Yeah, 100%. Now, getting back into more of, of your story and, and the individual that you are, you just mentioned a bike ride from Seattle to, did you say San Diego? Seattle to San Diego. Okay. We did the West Coast, yeah. And, and the one thing that resonates with me there is, in hearing you last night and even just this short conversation that we've had so far, you don't seem to grasp the concept of doing anything small. <laughs> it, it, there might be there might be some truth in that. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit crazy in some ways in terms of in terms of the 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 goals that I set for. You know, I guess is what it comes down to. I was talking to somebody at one point and he said he said, "You know, you're like a home run hitter." Yeah. And and he's like, "And I'm I'm a singles hitter." You know, it's like the day-to-day. And you know, there's a big difference, I think. To a certain extent, I and he he said it in a complimentary fashion, but I look at him as a singles hitter like you're the guy who keeps keeps the line moving. You make things happen on a daily basis. Whereas for me, I've kind of I've been my own business for so long, and it's like, okay, well, what's what's next? Yeah, what are we going to do next? What's bigger? And things that scare me are are helpful in a lot of ways. I go, okay, well, that gets the juices flowing. Like, let's make it happen. It also is a way to bring other people to that excitement that people go, oh yeah, oh you're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. You're going to do do this kind of thing like okay I want to be involved in that. Yeah. That there's there's something that's really important but but I think that there are different people and and I certainly respect the people who who are making that that thing move every day, making the line move because that that's harder for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it cuz you know I think of a bike ride to go to the corner store and pick up a you know a gallon of milk or something cuz <laughs> mama left it off the grocery menu or the grocery <laughs> list. So uh but you know I I hear your story again and Again, always doing things that are just massive undertakings and massive accomplishments. And I'm wondering, how did that even come about? Your accident happened when you were 20. 20, yep, 20 so years old. So those 20 years leading up to that, what was that development like? What gave you this, this ability to persevere under such trauma and such difficult undertakings that even after overcoming the initial accident, you still subject yourself to some of the most rigorous and trying accomplishments. That are, I mean, you mentioned Mount Kilimanjaro. That, that's that. I can't. Most people can't even fathom it. I know I can't. So, what what took place in those first twenty years that instilled that that perseverance and that determination in you? I think a big part of it is my parents. Okay. Like my parents. My parents didn't deny us anything. I, my father was a teacher. My mother was a social worker. So it's not like they were bringing in a ton of money, right? But right. We were ski racers. We traveled around. I mean, I went to my first uh, ski camp when I was 10 years old. So there was a bit of independence. So it's like, hey, this is what you do. And, and, and I saw something past the little insular part of my life where it's not just a little town. It's, it's this whole world. And you see people who are, who are doing things and going and, and following dreams. And so I think the, I think the seed was planted back then. But uh, 
see, the difference is at 10, you went to your first camp. I'm sure you fell once or twice. Sure. Oh, yeah. At nine, I ended up in the creek and I said, no, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there was something even in those single digit years that was, was present in you that obviously wasn't present in me, at least not when it came to the slopes. Huh. That is interesting. I have to think about that because Falling is, is, is a part of it. You know, I don't think it was, I didn't see it as something that was traumatic back then. It was like, you know, okay, well get up quickly. Cause, cause I was just looking forward. You yeah. Know, I was 10 years old and I'm looking at the 13 year olds and those guys. And I'm like, oh, those guys are so cool. Like I, I just sh- shut up and uh, shut up and do whatever you can to be like, be with those guys to be like, Hey, no, I'm cool too. Oh, see, they scared me. They scared me. I was always intimidated. Was always, but I was also a very fragile child, born with a birth defect, and I had to have surgery at four. I was born with an inverted sternum. Okay. So the sternum was growing in, everything else growing out. Yep. Lungs, heart getting crushed was going to die. Yeah, yeah. Kind of so a big deal. I had to yeah. have that all fixed up. And so I was very coddled as a child as well, because yep. if something happened post-surgery, it could, be, it could have been a, a death blow. Yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah. Uh, so I, I think that, that aspect of it was there. But as I got older, it, everything changed. I wanted to be the tough guy. So I got into martial arts, and I started competing, and I started kickboxing. I w- wasn't just good enough to go on the mat and do some point sparring. I wanted to get in the ring and really yeah. test it. Then in 93, mixed martial arts and the Ultimate Fighting Championship made its way to the United States. I was like, well, I got to get in the cage. So I kept pushing and pushing and pushing uh, to the point that I, I got to the point where I couldn't push any further uh-huh. because part of the birth defect was that uh, even though it was corrected, my lungs are deformed. So I'm stuck with about 60% of the normal lung capacity. So no matter how hard I train, no matter how hard I hit the gym, and man, it was just, it was never going to happen. And I realized that when I was training with one of the top coaches in the world at the time, and he walked by while I was rolling or wrestling jujitsu with a, one of the, a UFC fighter. And he just looked at me and he goes, your cardio is a bit suspect, bro. And I had a fight the next night. Ooh. And I knew with Saul walking by and saying just that one sentence, I was like, shit, I, what am I going to do? And that's honestly, that is what changed things. I left martial arts completely, started partying and drinking, and that's what led to the alcoholism, and, and, and it changed things. So, I, again, I'm looking for, and, and I wonder if is it inherent in certain people, or did the parents have that influence right out of the gate, man? I don't know. You know, I mean, that's always a good question. Is it nature versus nurture? Yeah. And I think we can develop uh, resilience. And, and that's why the stories are so important, right? Because we get these stories from other people where, you know, somebody else in your situation, okay, you've got suspect cardio. Well, what does that mean? That means I better go end the fight quicker. You know, like this is it. <laughs> yeah. Let's not yeah. get to the cardio point. Let's boom. Let's, let's make it happen. Yeah. You know, which was like a, like a Bruce Lee kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's who he was like, cause he was a street fighter, right? Back yeah. in, back in Hong Kong. Was it Hong Kong? Yeah. It was Hong Kong initially before he came to the States. Where yeah. he was a street fighter. And uh-huh. it was like, that was, that was a street fighting mentality. Like don't get in a protracted fight. Like let's get in, let's, let's end it right now. Yeah. You know, this is the mentality. And so, so there's always a strategy, right? And, and that's, I mean, I don't know. I, that's, that's where some of the resilience comes from, from me looking at people who have been in a situation where everybody's like, okay, this is it. Like, like you know, the economy's bad, whatever it is. Everybody's got to tighten their belts. And somebody's like, no, no, I'm going to spend money now. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to invest in it. And they come out of it successfully. Well, my dumbass left my career January 4th of last year. I said, you know what? Another work in this COVID thing has got us on lockdown. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my 21-year career with the same company and go do content creation full time. That's a smart thinker. 
<laughs> so, you know, it's that one time that I took that different perspective. Yeah. And, and that's what I love in, in everything that you, you're, you're bringing to the table with your stories is you have that different perspective. You know, if I'd had that different perspective, maybe I would have gone on to, I don't know, progress a little bit further in the fight game. I never would have probably made it to the big show, but the bottom line is I just quit. Right. Yeah. So that's the question. You just quit. Why did you qu just quit? Because sometimes, sometimes quitting is you're, you're pushed in a different direction, right? And it's like, okay, this part's not for me, and I'm going to go in a different direction. And, you know, I mean, I think that's, that, that resides in you. Yeah. Right. Is yeah. it's like, okay, is it right that I quit? Should I have quit? Should I not? Could I have struggled some fur further? Could, would I have learned something as a result? Would I have ended up as a, as a coach? Yeah. Yeah. You I know? mean, 22 years later, I look back on that moment with a ton of regret, ton of regret. It, it, it is interesting though, isn't it? Cause I mean, we all have regrets, don't we? Sure. And, and we look back on the regrets and, and while it's not the exact thing that you did, you know, that, that, okay, I regret that I wasn't in the fight game. I, I don't regret that I was in the fight game because I think, I think I would have made a really good punching bag. Uh, so, and, and that's not something I, 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 I did too. So just, <laughs> just an FYI. So. But, but, but the thing is regret oftentimes is a reminder of something that we did. So, so what did you miss about that regret part of it? You know, the regret part of it is, did you, re did you regret not investing yourself more in the path that you were in? And, and, and is that something, you know, I mean, that's the way I try to look at this, this nature of regret. Cause yeah, we all have regret, but is it a reminder of something that I need to do now? I regret that I didn't, that I didn't go through it. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, well, if you didn't go through it, what part do you regret that you didn't, that you didn't make it happen, that you didn't take the risk to figure out how good you could be. Okay. Are you going to take the risk here as a podcaster to, to figure out how good you can be, you can really be, you yeah. know, you're phoning yeah. it in or are you, are you saying, okay. This is it. Let's let's put down the gauntlet. Yeah, most definitely. Let's get in the cage. Yeah, let's get in the cage. Let's do it. So uh, I'm not getting in the cage with you, by no, the way. No, no, you're, I mean, you're fine. Speaking I'm, metaphorically. I'm, yeah, I'm not getting in the cage again ever, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> 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 it, it, we hear your stories, and, and I mean, you just don't seem to have any quit in you, which would lead me to at least imagine that you don't have any regret beyond circumstances that were within your control. Do you have any regret? of decisions that you made or didn't make based on circumstances that were within your control? Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and certainly, certainly in the moment, you know, I mean, the regret of like looking at races and going, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't as invested. I mean, like my, my final, my final downhill here in, in Salt Lake in 2002, that was my final games. And, and I looked at it and, uh, and, and actually we had trained on that course on the day that was, was the anniversary of my accident, right. which is one of those weird days, right? And, and my shock really wasn't working out well. It was a gray day. And I was like, you know what? On this day, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to push. I'm just going to give this day its respect. And, and in the actual race, there was, one, there was one turn, this one dog leg right at the bottom. And, and I kind of replay this in my mind. And I'm like, okay, if I had taken that a little bit different, I took it a little bit too straight and ended up squashing a bunch of speed and not going, not going as fast across the flats, not carrying the speed. And, and you know, if I, if I look back and say, okay, that day, should I have pushed it? Would I, would I have known a little bit more and, and taken a, taken a different, you know, and, and I think there are always those times and it's that reminder to, to be in that moment. It's that reminder of like, okay, 
okay, this is a learning opportunity. And, and that's, that's the way I try to look at it, but yeah. Oh God, no, I've had, I've had failures along the way and these things and go, all right, all right, this is it. I quit. Okay. Tomorrow. All right. We're going to come back at it. Let's see how we do, you know? And I think that that's, that's okay. It's that persistence though. It's that will, it's that drive that even if you quit on Monday, you're coming back Tuesday and you're going to come at it just as hard, if not harder. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And I think that that's, I think that's the nature of being a human being, right? Is that we do, we do get this quit in us and go, okay, that's it. I'm done. I, this is, this is just stupid. And, uh, and then, you know, and go, I, I was thinking that last night during your conversation when uh-oh. you were speaking. No, I was speaking, I was thinking there's no way. Cause as you're talking about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and you're in the, the four wheeled vehicle, the, the, the fixed axle vehicle. Yep. And as you're hand cranking your way up the mountain and your goal was to just make it to that pebble <laughs> over there and trying to stay on the planks as they were yeah. laying planks down so that you could get, could get traction in your vehicle right. to continue your upward climb. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> even with the regrets that I carry with me today, I would have been up there and I would have cranked, you know, with that hand crank and I'd have been, man, this is just, as you just said, stupid, bro. What am I doing here? You know, I made it halfway up the mountain. I mean, that's more than most. So sure. let's just chalk this up as a W and take it to the Casa. I mean, so, so put me there, man. How, do you, how did you find that resilience even in that moment? Because I know the pain has to be something that we can't, we can't fathom. We've never been there. So, Well, you know, I mean, I think there are a couple of different things when we're looking at it. One, it took two years to get there. And in the two years that, I, that it took to get there, there were a lot of times that I, th- that I quit. You know, two years that I went, okay, this is it. I mean, this is 2008. We ended up on the mountain in 2009. The economy had gone badly. We were spending money that we didn't have. Yeah. You know, e- the, the end of each month, you know, when the credit card bills c- came due, it seemed like, seemed like it had been a three-day month. You know, and you're like, okay, this is just, I mean, like, let's cut our losses. But there's also a part, I believe, with setting a big goal is that one, you set a big goal, and two, you tell people about it. You make it public. That's the scary part. That's the scary part. But yeah. then you're responsible to it, right? You're yeah. like, you know, and they're like, hey, Larry, you said you were going to do that. And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. I know I'm responsible because people are going to hold you responsible. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they? And, and I think there's a part of that. And I, I had done that. And I said, hey, I'm climbing the mountain. And one, I said, we need, we need fans. I was going to a bunch of schools with my foundation, One Revolution Foundation. We have a school program called Name Tag. And we went to a bunch of schools and part of it, you're speaking to, you know, 300 kids a pop or whatever, 300 and 400 kids a pop. And those kids go home and tell their parents, they tell their siblings. So that one kid becomes, becomes, you know, multiplied by four or five or whatever it is suddenly. And I'm saying, okay, well, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going to go. Then they're watching. Well, I'm responsible to those kids. Yeah. Those kids said, that sounds like a good idea. You should do it. I'm like, okay. Like I've got to train, I've got to prepare. Obviously, you were in the fight game. You, you didn't, you didn't just show up in the ring. You show up in the <laughs> ring. That's a, that's a good way to get your, <laughs> yeah, rough night at the office, get your head blown off. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, but the thing is, I had to prepare that way. This is, this is each morning you wake up and go. This is, this is my goal. This is what I said I wanted to do, and I told these people that I'm going to do it. So it's public. Yeah, and yeah. and so I told these people to watch when I was climbing on the mountain, which could have sent me up. I thought that's kind of crazy because then you're telling them watch and you could fail spectacularly. I mean, I could have, 
I could have had some sort of GI issue that boom, that's it. Sure. I didn't even, I didn't even get past the first day, you know, but, but that's, I don't know that that's a part of it is, is if you're going to have a goal, because if you have a goal and you keep it to yourself, then you go, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, it was, it was that goal at first, but maybe now it's this goal. Yeah. You could reconcile that within yourself to go ahead and dial it back a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Keep trimming off a little bit. You're like, okay, you know, no, it was that now it's this. And it's like, Put it out there. Put it out there. Say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold myself responsible to. And you know what? If you don't get to that goal, you've invested yourself. Yeah. You know, you've invested yourself. So it's not like it's a, it's not like a failure. That failure, it could be perceived as a failure, but is, is something that you said, okay, this is who I am right now. This is what I have to offer. That to me is the greatest victory is when you're not guaranteed success and you put yourself into it and say, this is as good as I am. Is yeah. it good enough? And Hey, if it's not good enough, you go, well, that's a great foundation for the next one. I mean, if we learn from our failures, we're far further ahead, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the whole foundation of failures and we, we have to fail in order to grow. And, yeah. and I say this on almost every podcast that there's, there's nothing good that comes out of, of being successful all the time. Now you get the yeah. you get the you get the fringe benefit, sure. but as far as from a de- developmental perspective, we don't develop without pain. No, no growth comes without some sort of pain. No, and and, and a lot of us fear that pain. And I know as I've gotten older, I've learned to accept that pain. Yeah, kind of have to. And real, but can you do it at a younger age? Obviously, you can. You did. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's always easier to look back on these things, right? Yeah. Everything makes perfect sense when you look back on something and go, oh yeah, I did that. I did that. It got me here. So as a result of getting here, everything made sense. And you know, I mean, I, Hey, I was, I was afraid of failure. I mean, ski racing, my biggest challenge was putting myself out there, you know, especially before my accident saying, okay, this is as good as I am. You know, there's, it's, you know, that, that fall you go, Oh, well, I was really good beforehand. Now I can sleep at night because, because I think that I would have been good if I had finished Yeah. or, or it's that excuse that you have before, before you even go through the starting gate. And it's like, Oh, well, I'm not going to be good because of this. So then I'm keeping that little bit of myself. That's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep that part that, that I'm going to keep that part. And so if I keep that part, you know, then I'm like, oh, now I can live to fight another day. And it's like, okay, but you've just kind of died along the way, right? Like each time you don't invest yourself, you end up dying a little. Yeah. You end up losing that sense of like who you could be or who you really are by, by sort of watering it down. So what, what drives you today? You know, as I alluded to earlier, you, you, you don't believe in doing anything small. So what's, what's the next big thing? The next big thing, uh, I mean, there are a few big things really in some ways, but the next big thing, the thing I've been trying to work on for a while is a, is a television show. Okay. Show called living it, uh, where an expert with a disability teaches an adventure to an able-bodied person. Okay. So we're flipping the paradigm and this is, this is mission for me, right? Is flipping the paradigm of disability. So usually assume, okay, well, somebody Somebody who's able-bodied, okay, that person always is ahead of the person with a disability. This is no, 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 we're going to teach you how to do this. And, and we shot one right before lockdown. We actually shot a bobsledding one. Okay. We went out, we had a, had a guy who was in a wheelchair who is the first, first uh, paraplegic to ever drive on the Olympic course here. 
he taught us how to drive and we went to the top of the, we well, actually we went to, we went to turn six. I don't want to, I don't want to tell you that we went to the exact top because turn six was scary enough. We went to turn six, which is where you start <laughs> and, uh, and drove a bobsled and we had some able-bodied people. We had a guy who was a, uh, who was a former Navy SEAL. who was a best-selling, uh, best-selling author. Uh, and who and, was that by uh, so, so his name is Jack Carr. His is okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's his, and, and he, uh, he, he, you know, so we brought these guys and he was like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. This would be good. And, and I don't know about him, but, and actually I kind of do know about him. I mean, this is a guy who had, had people shoot bullets at him, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with, with intent. And, uh, and it was scary. Yeah. Yeah. You get to the start and you go, Oh, well, uh, well, all right. Okay. This sounded really fun when we were at the bottom. <laughs> now that we're at the top, it doesn't sound like quite as much fun anymore. And that was, and I ended up driving with them and, uh, and it was, it was great. You know I mean? That's, and that's, so that's, uh, I've been pushing it, trying to figure out a way to, to get this thing out there and, and where this is a big, where this is the next mountain in a lot of ways is that it, it's genre breaking. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, well, there hasn't really been anything like that yet. And if there hasn't been anything like it, where does it fit? Yeah. How does it fit? How do people understand it? And will it be successful? And, and that's, that's part of the game. And that's part of the, part of the hard part is, yeah, is, is going and seeing, okay, well, I'm going to see if I can make this thing happen. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's great too, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, especially if you look at it from a content creation perspective, so many times people are creating podcasts or, or, or YouTube channels or whatever it may be, but they don't necessarily know where it fits or they can't define that audience. Now, you know the audience that you want to talk to, but you're trying to figure out where the show fits. Yeah. So uh, take me into that pitch process. That pitch process. I mean, it, it really is. It, it's, it's a good question. Like who, who is our audience? Which, which you say, I mean, to a certain extent, it's, it's the choir, right? I mean, to a certain extent, it's, it's the people who are in the same situation as me, who are looking at it going, hey, I've never seen myself on television. Right. This, right. Is, this is me on television. But you are our audience in a lot of ways where you go, okay, yeah, I was in the ring and it was stacked against me. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm pivoting. Yeah. And, and you go through dip i mean well, I, you go I, through didn't, the, I didn't pivot i just ran the other way you, you ran the other way and, and ended up at the nader right i mean you yeah, ended up at the bottom yeah, yeah. i did rock bottom to figure out okay now i hit rock bottom now i go out and and so so you're part of the audience yeah right i yeah. mean families this will be a tremendous family show i mean what what is the message when we were talking about resilience yeah you know it's like what's the message? well you see it right there and, and the funny thing is that part of the reason that I'm participating is that we have these, these experts with a disability and you look at it and go, you know, that looks too easy. Like I was, I had a guy on my podcast, guy, this guy named Jay Raw, who's a, who's a monoskier okay. like me, who goes inverted. I mean, he's done what a, a, a cork 720. So this is like off access two complete turns. You know, and you got to get a fair amount of air. Yeah, yeah. In order to in order to have the time to be able to do that, you know, throws a backflip like nothing, and you go, well, that looks like it makes perfect sense. Like that, that looks like what you should do. No, no, I know a whole lot better that that I have no desire whatsoever to do that. <laughs> but you, but you look at it and go, 
that makes sense of that perspective because sometimes that's the hard part. We get so good at what we do. Like this guy is so good yeah. at what he does that you go, okay, yeah, yeah, that looks easy. And it's like, no, you haven't seen the struggles along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's what so many people miss are the struggles. And, and that's what we learn from, right? And like, okay, uh, I'm going to keep getting up. I'm, I'm not going to stop. And, and that to me is, is, is the, the audience. So like our audience, who's our audience? Our audience is anybody who needs that message. I don't know how many people are there in the U.S. Three hundred and thirty million or something yeah, like somewhere that. Somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. So you th- I mean, I'm I'm guessing right around three thirty or something like that. Kind of <laughs> need that message, right? I think everybody could benefit for sure, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, we all do. I mean, we because nobody has a corner on the market as far as inspiration. Right. Nobody wakes up every single morning going, "Yep, that's it. I'm ready to go." You know, and we look around, we hold ourselves responsible to other people. You. You went and worked out, right? And, and, and if you're working out on your own, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, today I'm just not really feeling it. But if you've got to meet your buddy at the gym, you're going to go. Yeah, it's a whole lot different. Yeah. 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 Create a strategy that makes it easier for yourself. It's uh, create a, make, make, make the, right, the right decision easy and the wrong decision harder. Yeah, for the vast majority of us, I think it make, making that, uh, that wrong decision is, is the easy way. You, you know, going to the gym, for instance, as you mentioned, I can remember it back in the day, getting my gear together, knowing I have to go train. I'm like, I do not want to go to the gym. This is going to suck tonight. I can sit here and watch Sex in the City with my girl or whatever it was at the time. <laughs> but then when I got to the gym, you know, boom, it was great. And every time, every time I would dread going, I'd go and have a phenomenal workout. Yeah. It was, and I don't know if it was that accountability factor or it was that overcoming that, that, that negative uh, thought process that I had going initially that. You know, maybe I got that W right out of the gate because I just went. It really is. And you show up there and you're like, okay, well, it's time to go to work now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I, yeah. While I'm here, I might as well do it. Whereas if you're, if you're on the couch, you're like, well, I should go. Yeah. I should re- no, nope, nope, uh, Yeah, I'm still on the couch. Yeah. Well, and you're going to have that regret the next day. You're going to sit back and go, why did I sit on the couch, man? Why did I do that? But that builds, right? That's it, it, how, exactly. Exactly. It makes it worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. That's when, it, when I was competing, I, I would bring my gym stuff to the mountain with me. And it's like, okay, this is it. You don't get to go to the couch because if you go to the couch, you might not ever return. You're not going to get back up. 100%. 100%. So don't let yourself. me go home. Don't let me go home because yeah. I'm not coming back out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm that way to this day. If my friends go, hey, man, we're hanging out on Saturday. All right, we go do our thing. He goes, let's go home, get cleaned up. We'll go back out to dinner. I'm not making dinner. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to be there. I'll tell you right now. Cause once I get home, I'm done. I'm home. So it's totally true. Yeah. So we just got to know our own shortcomings, right? And, yeah. And yeah. create a strategy and be willing to overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. Be willing to, and then sometimes there's, sometimes there is the greatest courage is being willing to overcome our shortcomings. Right. I mean, cause sometimes Even acknowledge them. yeah, yeah. That can be the hardest part. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's address this. And you're like, well, let's address this. What if I'm not any good at, at addressing it? You know, that to me, those are the people that I think are remarkable, are the people who say, yep, I'm going to put in my work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang my head against the wall and, and eventually it's going to work out. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Chris, man, I appreciate your time. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me. And it's been a fun conversation. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I see you reaching out. So let's go ahead and get, let's get that handshake going yeah. there. But what I want to do before we wrap completely is let everybody know where they can find more information about you. Name your book one more time. I know I read it off in the intro, but go ahead and talk about your book a little bit, where people can find it, and where they can find information about your organization. 
Yeah. So the book is Things I Want to Remember Not to Forget. And this is exactly thematically what we've been talking about, right? That, hey, I learned something and I'm like, oh, didn't I learn that before? <laughs> you know, how can we create some strategies to figure out how we don't forget? Yeah. And, uh, and so, so that's the book. Uh, it's a short, it's a quick, easy read, but, it, but I think there are some nuggets in there. That's for sure that people will listen to and, uh, and, and hopefully live by. So, so uh, places you can find me, Chris Waddell Living It is, is my website and then also handles on, on, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, One Revolution Foundation, it hand, handles on Instagram and, and, uh, and Facebook as well. One Revolution Foundation. O-N-E hyphen revolution.org is our website. You can check it out. We have our, our school program name tags talked uh, outlined in there. And yeah, people want to find the book. You can find it on my website, which is, which is Chris Waddell living it, Chris Waddell speaking.com, you know, so either or will, will work there. And yeah, check out the books. I actually have a, a children's book that I did as well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's Very called, cool. Is It Lonely to Be a Four-Leaf Clover? Which is about a four-leaf clover that is hiding what makes it different. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. could be very, very impactful for a lot of kids. I think so. I uh, think so. Maybe yeah. if I'd have had that book when I was nine and I ended up in the creek, I would have accepted my yeah. my. my my, we would have had to go back in time. I, the time travel thing is the yeah. is the stumbling block. We're there, getting I there. We're getting. Okay. E Elon will get us there. Elon I think so. <laughs> I think he might. Chris, thanks once again, man. I really, really appreciate. Total it. pleasure, man. Thank really you. appreciate it. Hey, everybody! If you've got some value out of this episode, do me a huge favor: hit the subscribe button right now, so I can continue to bring you awesome content like this every Tuesday of the week. And until then, we'll see you. Thanks. Bye. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss. <laughs>